Good morning. This, uh, this morning's reading comes from Acts 14, if you want to follow along in your Bible, or the church Bible is page 896. Acts 14, verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with the leaders to mistreat them and stone them, but they found out about it and fled to uh, the Laconian cities of Lystra and Derbe, and there and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gate because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human. Like you, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from the heaven and crops in, the, in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. After going through uh, Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and, they were, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. From Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And there they stayed, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Tyler. 
If you can keep your Bibles open to chapter 14 as we go through it, that'd be great. It's on page 896 on Church Bibles. Let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Um, Lord, we thank you for all of your word, that it speaks um, to us each time we open, uh, open it. But Lord, we know that we, are, um, we realize that it, it really has to be you speaking to us. And so, Lord, as we come to it, um, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would open our eyes to the truth of these words, and we pray that it'll, in the end, it'll be you speaking to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know when the last trip that you took was. All trips have these highs and lows, highlights and lowlights. Uh, the last trip that I took was in last November when I visited my parents for a few days. They moved to Korea recently, and I saw them there. Highlight was probably uh, that eating all those oysters, fresh oysters. My parents now live on, on an island, and it was oyster season. So I had fried oysters, fresh oysters, uh, oyster in kanji, all sorts of oyster combinations I ate. And it was delicious. Uh, the low light was probably just how unprepared I was for how cold Korea was. Um, so it was a bit cold there. I asked Ariel uh, recently um, what the highlight of the mission trip to Philippines was. He said the best moments were seeing the kids and the people welcome them uh, with such, uh, which warmth, such warmth. And the low light was schedules being changed all of a sudden uh, because of people not following directions or people not, just not doing their job. Well, each trip has its sort of high moments and low moments. Paul and Barnabas, they went on this trip, the first mission trip uh, ever. They had their highs and lows as well. As you've heard, the church in Antioch, it was modern day, it's in modern day Syria. They sent out Paul and Barnabas as their first missionary. It was the first Christian missionary ever. They first went to Cyprus and they preached to the proconsul Sergius Paulus and he became a Christian. In Pisidian Antioch, Paul preached the gospel message uh, in a synagogue and got a rousing response. Uh, it was a great response on the first day, but the next week, the whole city had gathered to hear him preach. Many people responded to the message, but it wasn't all good news because the Jews uh, then, some Jews, opposed the message and incited the crowd. In a few short verses, Paul and Barnabas, remember, were expelled from the city. They, were, they dusted off their shoes in verse 15. And so we find ourselves in chapter 14 in Iconium in verse 1. And as was the pattern as you look there, and he first goes to the synagogue. Take a look in verse 1. Again, Paul speaks. And again, he speaks so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But then again, some Jews opposed them. And it says they poisoned their minds against them. Verse 5 tells us that they had to flee to Lystra because of a plot to stone them. They had to escape, but then they keep on going. And it seems that in Lystra, there wasn't a synagogue there because uh, they don't go to a synagogue as no they normally do. It's the first city where Paul and Barnabas go to uh, where actually they go directly to the Gentiles. They don't go first to the Jews, and we see how it has changed. Paul probably started to preach in a marketplace, probably being ignored by most people. But as he was preaching, there was a man who was listening. He was a lame man from birth, 
he seemed to be responding to the message of Jesus Christ and recognizing his faith. Paul commands him in verse 10, stand up on your feet. And this man who never walked, he jumps up and he walks around. And I'm not sure if there were any other listeners uh, back then, uh, but the crowd could not ignore this. They probably knew the man who was sitting there every day begging helplessly, right? Unable to do anything for himself. And so in verse 11, they start shouting in their own language. The gods have come down to us in human form. They called Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes. And if you're interested, modern archaeologists have found uh, inscription and a stone altar near Lystra uh, that indicates Zeus and Hermes uh, were worshipped together as their patron, local patron saints and uh, deities. The Lystrans were probably also aware of uh, Ovid's story narrated in a book called Metamorphosis, a poem called Metamorphosis, where Zeus and Hermes once visited the hill countryside of Phrygia, disguised as mortal men, but were, uh, and they, they, they were looking for hospitality, but they were rejected. And so Zeus then punished the inhospitable people. And it might have been that the people in Lystra didn't want to repeat that. So they, when they thought that it was Zeus and Hermes, these misguided people brought bulls and reeds to the city to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas probably didn't know what was going on at first as Lystrans spoke in their own language, but then they realized what was happening. And when they realized what was happening, we're told that they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd. They shouted, verse 15, we too are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these earth and sea and everything, uh, worthless things to the living God who made heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And so they were pleading them not to sacrifice to them, but only barely they managed not to have them sacrifice to them. Verse 18. So there have been many highlights of this trip, but what happened next was probably uh, definitely the low light of this trip. The Jews from Pisidian Antioch and Iconium arrived now at Lystra, and then they incite the people there, and they won the crowd over, so they picked up stones and they started pelting it at Paul and when Paul looked dead they dragged him outside of the city to rot that's verse 19 and miraculously though Paul gets up and he walks back into the city and without any fanfare in verse 20 and 21 we're told that they actually just went the next day they went to Derby the next city um, and they won a large number of disciples there and when that was done they came back and visited all the cities that they planted, uh, the churches that they planted before going back to the church in Antioch to report what God has done. So that was the first trip, first missionary trip ever recorded in the Bible. And to their minds, perhaps the most exciting thing that happened to them, extraordinary thing that happened to them, was that God had opened the doors to the Gentiles to come to faith in, Jesus, uh, through, uh, come to faith in God through Jesus Christ. 
As Luke records in verse 27, that's what they report, that God had opened this faith to the Gentiles. And it was indeed extraordinary, the blessing of Abraham that was open only to the Jews before. Now, whoever called on Jesus' name, they received the Holy Spirit as, as a deposit and God, God, God's way of showing that these are his people too, Jews and the Gentiles. And they were surprised even as they went into the Gentile territories. But we don't get the sense that they were surprised by the opposition, by the suffering that they had endured. Think about all the opposition that they faced. When they went to Cyprus, it was Elymas, Elymas the sorcerer who whispered lies. The Jews from Pisidia, Antioch, and Iconium plotted to kill them and later succeeded in stoning Paul. This was, in a sense, ordinary. And actually, that's at least what Luke is trying to tell you. Remember two weeks ago, one of my main points as I preached from chapter 13 was Paul's sermon in 13 that he preached the same message that Peter preached in chapter 2. They both talked about how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, how that he died and rose again, how we are to turn to him to receive salvation, forgiveness of sins. Peter and Paul were preaching the same message, message of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's not just a message. The miracles are the same too. Perhaps you remember how Jesus healed, Jesus too healed a lame man from birth. That was in Luke chapter 5. Well, Peter preaches a stirring sermon in chapter 2 after Pentecost. And then in chapter 3, he does this extraordinary thing. He heals a lame man from birth. When uh, uh, and Paul does the same thing, right? In chapter 13, he preaches the same message as Peter. And in chapter 14, he heals a lame man from birth. The phrases are the same as well. They both looked at the man and commanded him to stand up. And they both responded by jumping up and walking around. It's the same miracle. The only difference is that Peter does it to the Jews and Paul does it to the Gentiles. Same message same miracle and there is another one that's the same it's what happens after the persecution same persecution in chapter 4 after peter heals this man he's uh, called uh, to the sanhedrins the jewish ruling authority the leaders of the jews and they, uh, they they talk to peter and later on he's jailed well here the jewish leaders gather together inside the crowd and stone paul and of course this is how Jesus suffered as well. Jesus was tried by the Sanhedrin. And remember the fickleness of the crowd, how when Jesus entered Jerusalem, people shouted, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But in a few days, they, they say, crucify him and crucify him. And that happens to Paul. They're about to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, saying he's Zeus and Hermes. But then, a few days later, they picked up the stone and, st uh, and, and, and pelt him. And just as Jesus was left outside of the city to die, Paul's dragged outside of the city, left to rot. Friends, this is what Luke is trying to tell us. As followers of Jesus, we should expect suffering. Same message, same miracle, same suffering. Suffering is normal part of their lives. In fact, when Paul returned to these cities, this is what he says to the, uh, to the people. Take a look at verse 22, how he strengthened and encouraged them. 
Right? He says in verse 22 that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That's the message that he brings back to these churches. You must go through many hardships. So friends, let me try to strengthen and encourage you today with the same words. Remain true to the faith through your suffering. Please expect hardships. If you have, been, if you have wrong expectations in your life, that somehow that you, your life will be healthy and prosperous now on because of your faith in Jesus Christ, then you'll be devastated when trials come. That shouldn't be the expectation. That's not what happens in the Bible. And actually, living in Hong Kong makes this expectation even worse, I think. Because if you are a middle-class person living in Hong Kong, the expectation is that we grow, excelling in our schoolwork, have jobs that pay pretty well, marry a perfect partner, and have no marriage problems whatsoever, um, have children, as many children as you would like to have one, have, have them, live healthy lives until you die happily in, 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 in age 90, peaceful death in your sleep. And when things don't go our way, we get rattled. We go, where is God? And if you thought that Jesus is going to give you that perfect middle-class life, well, you'll be troubled. Friends, we live in this fallen world where sin and devil reign. Please expect hardship. Please expect diseases and failures and prepare not to have all your expectations met. But remain true to the faith. Remain true to the faith, for after our hardship, we will enter the kingdom of God. And I hope you've seen that Luke's message is that if we live the life that Jesus lived, if we preach the message of Jesus Christ, that we'll also bring suffering that others actually don't have. We'll experience suffering that others don't experience. Salad Rock is here today. I know how hard it was for me when I was a teenager to stand out as a Christian, to be slightly weird. Right? I wasn't, well, I mean, there are many reasons I wasn't included in the popular group, but I think me being a Christian was one of them. It's hard to stand out as being different. People in their 20s and 30s, I think, know this as well, uh, with how we view our relationships and sex. I got married when I was 35, and when I watched, at some point, a 40-year-old virgin, the movie, there was a lot that identified him. <laughs> it's difficult. When the world makes you think that you're missing out because of your faith, you're missing out on your fun, missing out on what other people are doing, it's difficult to stand out because of your faith. Some of you have had experience of being discriminated, socially isolated because of the gospel. Ironically, to strengthen and to encourage you, I'm not going to say that these things won't happen to you, that God will make them disappear. I'm going to tell you what Paul told uh, these early churches endure them go through them for if we remain true to the faith we will enter the kingdom of God and this kingdom of God friends is amazing news it's indeed the greatest news that anyone can ever hear and God confirms the goodness of this message through many things actually one of them is miracles take a look at what God did in Iconium in verse 3 so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Many people ask me, why does God do such great things in the book of Acts? 
Well, partly, it's because this is the beginning of the church, beginning of Christianity, and as this young message of Jesus goes out to the world, God wanted to show that he, wanted, he approved this message. He confirms this message. He confirms them through signs and wonders. And he's, he confirms them because God wants people to hear this message that people are bringing. He's saying, this is true. Listen to him. Signs and wonders aren't the diamonds, right? It's, it's the message of his grace. That's where the value is. That's where the treasure is. And that's why Paul and Barnabas tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd in Lystra because the, those in Lystra saw the physical healing and they thought this is what they wanted. But they missed the message. They missed what Paul and Barnabas were bringing in their words, verse 15, the good news. They were bringing the good news of Jesus Christ and that's what they missed. And it's also because they valued the gospel so much. They kept going through these persecutions through them. After the stoning, Paul and Barnabas simply went to the next town, Derby, and preached the gospel there the next day. Why? Because despite the persecution, they wanted others to hear this good news of Jesus Christ. When they're done, done in Derby, you saw what they did next. Verse 21, the latter half of it. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. They went back to the places where they were almost killed. Why? Well, because they didn't want these young Christians to, uh, uh, to fall away from faith because this is the greatest thing that they could ever have and they, want, they went back at the risk of their lives to strengthen and encourage the church because the message is so great. And this happens throughout the church history. You might know of Jim Elliot, who wrote in his diary, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's no fool who, can, uh, who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He went to Alcas in uh, Ecuador, and within a week, he and his friends were killed. His young wife, Elizabeth Elliot, who had a 13-month-old daughter at the time, continued to living in another tribe near Alcas, in, in Kicha tribe. And there, as she was ministering to them, she met a couple of Alcas, uh, Alca women, and she learned Alca language. And when she learned the Alca language, she went to the Alca tribe, the tribe that killed her husband. And if you ask her why, well, it's because this is the greatest news that she could ever have, anyone could ever hear. So she went back to that tribe. She went to that tribe. Friends, we have this message that we take for granted, but it's the most valuable thing that anyone could ever have. It's more valuable than our lives. And I want to ask, are you living in a way that shows that you value the gospel above all things? And we can do it in many different ways, but I want to just suggest three things from this passage. One, can we rejoice in our suffering? Not, just a, not, not, a, not like a crazy person, <laughs> but can we rejoice in the goodness of the gospel in the midst of the suffering? Friends, I know life is difficult. Sometimes it's really tough. Some of you are struggling with illness today. Some of you with singleness, marriage problems, mental issues, job issues. 
And we should pray for miracles. We should pray that God would act in our lives and do something extraordinary in our lives. But friends, even if he doesn't, if his answer is no or not yet, friends, you still have the gospel. You still have the good news of Jesus Christ. You have been forgiven of your sins. You have been restored in relationship with God through the sacrifice of his son. You have the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who intercedes on your behalf. You now have a loving God who's working through all things to make you holy like Christ. You also have a future hope of the resurrection and the eternity with him. And that's good news. Can we rejoice in our suffering? Secondly, let's be part of continuing to share the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. Support our missionaries. Yes, the church, the giving that you give, 15% of it goes to our mission partners. But, that, of course, that's not enough. Mary and I help to support a few other missionaries, mission uh, partners that we, um, uh, whose work are dear to us. Do you do that? Are there partners, mission partners that you support? People who are bringing the good news of the gospel to the ends of the world. You know, it costs sometimes millions of dollars, right? To some places, it's cheaper, but to a place like, say, Japan or France, supporting missionaries is really expensive business. But friends, the message that they carry, we believe, are far more valuable than the cost that it brings. Finally, could I ask, are, there, are you sacrificing anything? Right? Are you giving up anything? And if you gave up something, would you be able to share the gospel with others? Last year at men's convention, uh, Andy from Ambassador Church gave his testimony. Uh, he had a comfortable job, a spacious house, and a loving uh, family in England. They decided to come to Hong Kong. The reason why was because his wife's family, who's from Hong Kong, uh, they weren't Christians. And from long distance, they tried to share the gospel, it just wasn't working. And so, as a family, they decided to come to Hong Kong to show their family what Christians are like, to have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And he wasn't particularly keen on living in smaller spaces, cockroaches, long work hours, and the heat. But he was glad to do it because it meant that he could share the gospel. And he valued the gospel more than his comfort. If we don't give up anything to share the gospel, whether it's our time or money or energy, we might not be showing that we value this above all things. Friends, through many hardships, we will enter the kingdom of God. But what we went through, what we go through, what we willingly give up, uh, pale in comparison to what God has done for us. What Jesus has done for us, he gave up heaven. He gave up his comfort. He gave up his life and died the death that we deserve on the cross so that through many hardships we could enter the kingdom of God. And that's great news. And that's news worth devoting our lives to. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the gospel. We thank you that it is the good news. And Lord, for all of us who don't know, who don't yet 
feel and know the depth of the goodness of this news, Lord, would you help us? Would you open our eyes to see what your son has done? Would you open our eyes to see what you are doing in our lives and the future that we have hope in Jesus Christ? That we might really know that this is the good news, that this is worth living for. In Jesus' name, amen.